It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. John Wertheim here. It is this week's Sports Illustrated Tennis Podcast. Hope everyone is well, healthy, wearing a mask, not at a Belgrade disco topless, which uh, I suppose is where we ought to start. Uh, Jamie, I'm glad you are uh, you are with me today. How's everything in your world? It is good. I am also not in a Belgrade club, dancing around in close quarters, <laughs> shouting indoors. Uh, so that's a win. I, you know, I had wanted to do a, uh, a normal podcast. We were going to talk to Donald Dell, longtime agent. He had some very interesting uh, thoughts about how to merge the ATP and the WTA. We were going to talk about uh, the plans for the U.S. Open and tennis getting back. And there's some events this week. We were talking about uh, Patrick Muradoglu's event and the, the Charleston event. And then, of course, uh, everything... Um, blew up uh, metaphorically and I guess you could say in a sense literally with the news from uh, from the Balkans this weekend which uh, we should probably timestamp this we are speaking on what is today Wednesday morning is that right that is correct so we are 72 hours into this uh, we'll kindly call it uh, a narrative um, <laughs> I you know I, I've spoken a lot about this I've written about this this I, I will say before we can talk specifics I'm very surprised at the extent, I mean, this is really world news. I mean, I was getting calls from Al Jazeera and the BBC, and then I just saw Mary Carrillo was on MSNBC today. I mean, this has really become much more than a tennis story, um, for, for better or worse, I would argue worse. But this really has been the kind of story that's had ripples beyond uh, the sport and beyond sports, period. I think a lot of people are sort of trying to figure out how we ease back to normal. I think we're trying to see, I think we're starting to see some real sort of disparities in, in countries and even here in the United States with how this is not only being managed and not only what the data says, but just in terms of philosophy. So I think this is, this story has really found its way into, into a much broader story. And this has become absolutely uh, world news. I mean, this is as big a, a tennis story as we've had since there's been 
a match. And I guess, why don't we just start there? I mean, Jamie, let's start with top line impressions of uh, the Adria Tour Novak Djokovic in the last 72 hours. Yeah, you're right to say that tennis exhibitions don't normally get this much press. Uh, I think it's always a funny thing within tennis when people, you know, who aren't as familiar with the sport, they see results from from an exo, whether it's early in the year, late in the year, and, you know, somebody beats someone and most people just sort of shrug it off. But it's, as you said, really interesting to see how much this has really gone across the world and everyone is talking about it and rightfully so because this is a big issue and I think it was uh, from the get-go when we started to see the photos and the videos of everything that was happening between the hugging and um, everything that was happening on the court and then, of course, everything that was happening all off the court all of those images and those photos are really going to be the mark of this event, of this tournament. And Djokovic, whether or not he deserves all of the blame or not, will also be the face of this issue for a long time coming. Um, he is the organizer of, of this event, of course, and also the oldest uh, in terms of the players that was there. And for me, that was something that you know he really needed to use to his his advantage and you know the the younger players Zarev and, and Borna Korik and and others uh even Dimitrov for for what it's worth you know are are younger than him and they look up to him um and for him to invite these players to come to this tournament and for him to organize this in the way that he did and to have the results that we had is just um it's not great and I wish that the best tennis player, you know, the number one in the world right now had thought a little bit more about how he was exposing all these people to unsafe conditions and took a little bit more time to think about what the results and the repercussions of this could have been. Yeah, I mean, I think no one covered themselves in glory. I mean, there's already been a lot of finger pointing. Djokovic's father, having moved on from, from Federer to baby fed, is now pointing figures at Dimitrov as the culprit. I mean, this is just ugly stuff. I mean, I think we ought, we ought to pause here and, and say we do hope everyone makes a, a speedy and easy recovery. As, as Nick Kyrgios, who I, I wrote Nick Kyrgios has turned into the, to the wise man of tennis. Um, I mean, Nick Kyrgios's thoughts on all of this have been uh, a lot more reasonable and responsible than anyone else's. And, you know, Nick Kyrgios very rightly says this virus is not a joke. So right. before we go further, let's be, be clear, we, we hope everybody makes uh, a quick recovery from a virus that we know, you know, six figures over is, can, can be fatal. Um, having said all that, I, I think, I mean, it's sort of interesting in the grand scheme of things, people who are, are casual fans or are not even sports fans at all, this is hubris and recklessness. And here is this athlete who somehow has been living in thick enough bubble so that he doesn't realize that you can pass this on to other people. And hey, viruses are really contagious and things like masks really work. I think in tennis circles, there also is this added layer of all of this Djokovic context. Um, Pat McEnroe, I saw, said to, to Chris Clary that, look, let's be honest, Federer, Nadal, Serena ain't doing things like this. Um, Mary Carrillo is on, on MSNBC today, was very outspoken about Djokovic in particular. This is, a, you know, I, I think she said that the guy hasn't lost a match, but he's made error after error after error in this pandemic. And I, I think 
there is a Djokovic context, at least in tennis circles, where this is the guy who has thumbed his nose at science. This is someone, you know, he's just made his statements about uh, what he thinks about vaccinations. He's made his statements about whatever it was, the positive energy affecting the water quality. He's already been in trouble in Spain for flouting uh, social distancing. So, and this is, remember too, to someone who was not supportive of the U.S. Open because he thought some of the procedures were too strict. Um, extreme, I think, was his word. So, exactly. you know, in, in a tennis context, there is a, there's a lot here that sort of redounds to Djokovic in particular. Um, I mean, I guess I, I have a few questions I want to ask you as, as an elite athlete. I mean, one of them is just, I'm curious what kind of reception you think he gets in the locker room when, uh, when tennis resumes. I mean, how much will this impact him, do you suspect, among his, his peers? You always throw out this elite athlete designation. It's, it's very funny. Um, no, I, I think, you know, you talk about Nick Kyrgios and, you know, I think something that he tweeted was that, you know, don't at me for anything that, that I've done that's been irresponsible or, or classified as stupid. You know, this, this takes the cake. And I think, you know, as you said, it, it's, it's a really good point by Kyrgios because this is, you know, for all the things that we, we've obviously exhausted talking about him and he's, he's done all these things that have made news and headlines, but this is a, a global pandemic. This is a serious issue. And I think for someone like Djokovic, who is supposed to be representing the players um, in terms of the council and, you know, really making these good decisions. And as we talked about, you know, only a few weeks ago has actually done things that are very helpful for people on the tour, you know, with raising money and, and putting together this, this relief plan for the players in need because of the coronavirus. He cannot do that and then also not have repercussions for what he's done here. You know, you can't, you can't have it both ways with that. And I think, you know, some players will sort of question his leadership or, or question him, whether it's in, in the locker room or decisions he makes when, when the tour gets back on, because how could you not? Um, again, this is a player that's supposed to be representing you and looking out for your best interests. And while, you, you know, all the players are not going to align on those interests, I think you want someone who at least has a little bit more I don't want to say common sense, but um, when you look at the, again, the photos and the way that this event was put on, it really seems like there was a lot of common sense missing and a lot of deliberate disregard for the the common things that we know about this virus and what it can do. I, I mean, I think the words are important and I think you're absolutely right that deliberate is what it was. I mean, people even said, look, are, are you sure you want to be doing this? And Djokovic mm -hmm. sort of said, listen, I'm just following national protocol. Well, now we know that's not necessarily true. I mean, if you go on various websites and look at Serbia's protocol, they still talk about masks. They still talk about social distancing. Yeah. Um, but there really was this element of self-harm. And this wasn't just negligence and oversight. This seemed like a conscious, I mean, I think it was Ben Rothenberg said, this is a, a conscious FU at anyone practicing these protocols. Um, and I, I think, again, I mean, Djokovic is coming in for a lot of heat. I think that's completely appropriate. I think there is something really interesting here about the elite athlete, about someone who at some level you have to suspend conventional wisdom to do what he does. At some level, you're down match points in a Wimbledon final and you have to hear the crowd 
saying your name and not Roger Federer's name. I mean, I think this, this fits into a bigger piece about the mindset of an athlete. And I just think that he, at some level, didn't connect the dots. I mean, he just didn't think that science applied. I mean, he, he has challenged conventional wisdom. He has challenged science. There's probably something at some level healthy and admirable about that, but that has bled into a complete disregard of, of the physical world to the point where it never dawned on someone that, A, even if you are unlikely to, uh, you know, to, to be seriously affected by this virus, others that you were in contact with are, and B, all of these stories about how this is spread. I mean, you, you see them topless indoors and shouting, and that's almost sort of the, the playbook for how to get this thing. I mean, right. you know, short of licking subway poles. I mean, that's that's about a, you, I just, it's really sort of, I think, striking and revealing. But you, you talk about Djokovic's mindset and of course this, you know, he, he has this alternate view of things, as you said, you know, maybe he, his diet is different and he approaches the way he trains and, and the way he lives his life, which is fine. Right. But he did not put this tournament on by himself. He did not do everything. Um, you know, he, and he organized it and he invited these players. Um, but there were other people involved here that, you know, should also be taking some of the blame for not challenging that, you know, for, for him, I totally agree with you. I think part of what makes him so great is the things that he does that no one else can. And that's physical, but that's also mental. As, as you said, chanting, chanting the other player's name, or if he's just trying to overcome, we've seen him overcome so many mental challenges, uh, w even with injuries, all these things really do make an elite athlete great. And Djokovic has clearly shown that, but there are other people surrounding him that need to kind of show him an alternate view or at least present in this case the glaring red flag issues that are there right in front of us you know and I just think that somebody along the way for whatever reason didn't say something or didn't you know challenge some of this <laughs> uh, and I don't I don't know exactly how everything was coordinated but I think, I think what Djokovic said at one point was that, you know, we miss our work and, you know, we're, we're going to enjoy this. Everyone misses the normalcy that we yeah. had before, before this time, but that doesn't give anyone the right to put not only, you know, yourself, but others in danger. I mean, there were so many people that were fans at that event who also contracted the virus. So there's just so many layers and so many levels to this. Uh, and I just, again, the, the, deliberate disregard for the planning um, of this event without strict protocols on the court and then to leave the tennis court and act like the pandemic doesn't exist and sort of go back to those normal ways um, with with parties and dancing in clubs and pickup soccer games it, it's just all very wrong on, on very many levels if you're struggling to lose weight you've probably heard about weight loss medications like wigovi or zepbound and you might be wondering if they're right for you Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. One thing I was struck by, too, was, again, Djokovic was a player that was really took issue with the U.S. Open limiting the size of, of this, this membrane, this entourage, mm-hmm. this bubble. And what you realize is this guy is really insulated. And one thing that struck me was it was a real insight into just how sort of s- surrounded by support he is. Mm-hmm. And the fact that there was nobody on the inside who would have tapped him on the shoulder and said, you know what, maybe not a great idea here. Or you know what, Novak, maybe you don't want to be playing shirts and skins basketball until you have positive tests from there. Maybe it's a little bit early to start going to the clubs. Um, again, he wasn't on a very important call, a very important player's call. And, you know, this is, this is Noah Rubin has been very outspoken about this. The same time that was going on, he was playing soccer. Um, I mean, the notion that nobody in his camp said, hey, listen, this is really something you ought not to do. I, I think that showed not just Djokovic in general, but that just sort of shows how much celebrities can be cosseted by the people around them. I mean, it just, it just blows my mind that nobody within his camp could have gotten through to him to tap him on the shoulder. I think, I thought that was a real revelation. Um, what, um, you know, where, where do we go? Uh, let's, let's talk him. Let's talk Novak specifically first. I mean, does, does he, does he recover from this? Well, let's hope he, as you said, recovers. Physically, yes. Let's hope he physically recovers. Uh, yeah. Assuming he physically recovers. Does, does his image recover from this? I mean, it sounds like a dramatic question, but, um, you know, again, just play around on the internet and you can see that this goes way beyond tennis news. Um, For can, sure. Can he, can he get back from this? What I think will happen is that everything we talked about that, as you said, people inside tennis circles know about him, some of the quirks and things, the way he approaches the game, the way he approaches his training and preparation. I think a lot of those things will come to light and may actually help him in this case to sort of um, explain a little bit how his views or something might be different. Uh, But I do think that in terms of, as you mentioned earlier, the, the players and um, perhaps his role on the board and just the way that people, I guess, trust his, his thoughts on larger issues may be affected. Um, this pandemic and the issues connected to it, uh, they're not going away. And tennis, as with other sports and other areas and other you know industries in the world are going to be affected by it for many years to come. And I think this bump in the road for Djokovic will prove to be a very big one because there are repercussions that, as you said, go beyond just tennis, beyond just him. It's global um, because of the people who came in from around the world to, to, to this event. I mean, 
I, I think he will get back, you know, to tennis and he'll get back to playing and winning matches. But I do think that reputation wise, trust wise with his colleagues and, and players um, and people in the sport, I think he will be affected. I do think, you know, on the one hand, you know, me- memories are short and, and all players inevitably have some obstacles and whether it's Andre Agassi or Serena, and they surmount them. I do think Nick Curios has a point though, which is, listen, I may have tanked a match. I may have served underhand and had a body shot at Rafa. I didn't put thousands of people's health and even lives at risk for my own self-glorification. I mean, I, I do think that this really sets quite a standard for irresponsible behavior. And it does. Next time people are uh, outraged because Serena Williams shook hands first after winning or, or even, uh, you know, cracked her racket when she already had a point penalty. Um, as far as sort of athlete sins go, boy, uh, this, this would seem to loom pretty large. Um, I Feel like I should I should point this out. I spoke with uh, tournament directors of other events and, and people at the USTA, and everybody is adamant that uh, this is unfortunate and regrettable and irresponsible. A, l- a lot of people don't. Nobody minced words here about how they felt about Djokovic, but the flip side is they all stressed that their events will be radically different and much more responsible. Um, so I, I do think we should point out that there's been some speculation that this could really jeopardize tennis's return, but you know, as, as of now, that doesn't seem to be the case. I, I would add there that the larger issue with this event was not only what happened on the court. Um, you know, there were hugs and there were group photos and there were all of these things that were, you know, there were fans <laughs> next to each other, very close to each other, many of them unmasked. Um, you know, there are so many things at the event, yes. But the players and the way that, they were interacting and what they were doing off the court was just as bad. And that could happen anywhere. You know, the, 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 the tournament itself does not have control over what the players are doing um, to an extent out, outside of the courts, you know, when they're done playing. But I think that is the differentiator here that when you talk about these other events, um, not only will the tennis and the event itself be more strict but hopefully the way that the players conduct themselves outside of that event will also be a little bit more strict and and cautious using this as the as the cautionary tale for what could happen if you decide that all of a sudden you miss normal life and you're just going to <laughs> we keep bringing it up but Dan shirtless in a uh you know sweaty club somewhere I just uh, uh that's for me the the what sort of set everything overboard and I'm hopeful that the other events that happen now have this as a uh a blueprint of what not to do and hopefully it'll be better yeah we were talking with Mark Ein who runs the uh, the DC event and he I, I I would have said uh you know a week ago I would have said he was joking but uh he was serious like our our players will not be going clubbing in between their matches um no, I, I just think there's a lot to learn here, and there are a lot of lessons, and some of them are the obvious ones. Uh, you know, science is real, and uh, biology is real, and they don't care what your world ranking is, and they don't care how many fans you have. Um, but also, I think we got a real insight. I think we got a real insight into peer pressure. I mean, you mentioned Djokovic being older. Um, you know, I, I think all the players had agency, and it was disappointing that a few of these guys didn't say, you yeah, know, wait a second, 
if, if I'm reading my news right, this isn't really consistent with how we ought to be behaving. But um, I mean, I think there was an interesting glimpse into peer pressure. I think this was an interesting glimpse into the mind of an athlete who clearly, first of all, is so selfish, they are not realizing that even if they are not at the highest risk group, there's a lot of interaction and viruses spread from people to people. And again, it's, it's sort of not realizing that the ball kid has a grandparent. Um, and I also think we got a real glimpse into, at least pertaining to Djokovic, how absolutely insulated he is from the real world. I mean, again, the, the notion that no one was able to tap him on the shoulder and say, I think it's time to reconsider this. I think that says an awful lot about just how insulated he is. And I, you know, I think social media is an accelerant too. Even, I mean, I think it's, I mean, I don't know a whole lot of people objectively looking at this saying anything other than this was reckless and irresponsible. And yet there are still people that'll defend him. And if, you, if you're in the certain social media silo, you might think nobody did anything wrong here. And, you know, you, his, own, his own father is already pointing fingers at Grigor Dimitrov. I mean, I think we're seeing uh, a, a real glimpse of sort of just how insulated a celebrity's life can be. Um, having said all that, Djokovic has apologized. I thought his apology was certainly uh, more than adequate. I think he's a smart guy. I also think this is someone who wants to be liked. This is not a guy who relishes the role of a villain. And you would hope damage control will, will be underway when he's healthy. I mean, again, I think one of the ironies I wrote about this, I mean, one of the ironies of all this is some athletes, some people, some celebrities just don't give a shit. Even in tennis, I mean, there's some players, Leighton Hewitt didn't give a shit. And I just want to win matches. If you don't like me, that's tough. Djokovic is the opposite. I mean, here's a guy who craves adulation and that um, only seems to sort of add to the layers of the story that he's also so self-sabotaging at times. So you hope that he will learn from this. You hope he can get his name back. But right now, uh, as, as Mary Carrillo said, has, hasn't won a match, uh, hasn't lost a match this year, but man, has he made a lot of unforced errors in, uh, during this pandemic. So, um, With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, Determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. There are happier topics we could talk about, Jamie. <laughs> we have matches going on at Charleston. Actually, I got a text last night from uh, a coach of one of the players there saying if you're, if you're done bitching about Djokovic maybe you could actually talk about some real tennis which is <laughs> a fair point um the, the U.S. Open again remains it's going to be uh some bumps to the road and again we're going to have to drink every time we hear the phrase fluid situation or case-by-case -case basis but the U.S. Open is still on the calendar there will be a wheelchair event uh, I just got an email telling me the Tennis Hall of Fame is back open. I have to say that I've uh, 
come back to Manhattan and things are opening up here. So uh, it's, it's not all doom and gloom, but as the cliche goes, we, we ain't out of the woods yet. And uh, boy, did we, get a, um, did we get a reality check about the nature of this virus uh, in the Balkans over the, over the last two weekends, Jamie. For sure. And it'll be interesting to see. I mean, of course, there were a handful of top players along with Djokovic there playing and, you know, Zarev, Korik, others um, have have also tested positive. So I think it will be interesting to see what players, you know, we've talked about this, what players decide to come play the U.S. Open versus the French Open, especially given that the the recovery time for this fluctuates based on you know how serious how your body reacts to it your age your your health um so many different things so um we of course hope that everyone has a speedy recovery but this could affect training this could affect how they're preparing for the u.s open if it was something they were considering to do so i'll be interested to see how this affects the u.s open and the pool of players who um ultimately end up in the drawer no, I think that's I think that's a really good point. I was talking to Pat McEnroe yesterday, who, uh, you know, he's I don't think I'm violating any confidences. He's been pretty open about this. Who's had, um, who basically tested positive? I think he tested negative for the antibodies, but tested positive. But he, um, and he, he's he's talked about this and has done some some videos. And he said, you know, he's feeling better, thankfully. But even now, he still feels a touch. So when he when he talks for a long period of time, or it's it's almost like he's he's gone on a long run when he does his podcast. So there are some lingering effects months later, and we haven't really spoken about this, but, you know, Grigor Dimitrov was a semifinalist last year and beat Roger Federer. Uh, you know, Victor Troitsky's at the end of his career, but has always been a dangerous player. Borna Cioric would probably be seated. Dona Vekic would be seated. And Novak Djokovic is a world number one player. So, you know, if nothing else, we're, t- we're talking about five players who could make, you know, m- materially significant players who in late June are, are positive for, for COVID. So this may also obviously have some real impact on, uh, on the U.S. Open just in terms of the draw and in terms of tennis results. So uh, it has been a, um, it's, it's, it's been a busy week of tennis. A, a week ago we were speaking with, with guarded happiness, I would say with some ambivalence, but with, with guarded enthusiasm about the 2020 U.S. Open. And uh, a week later, this has, this has not been our happiest podcast, Jamie. No, it has not, but uh, hopefully we're, we're turning the corner here and hopefully there'll be some, some brighter days ahead. As you said, I think there'll be a lot of um, asterisks and sort of different different things that will have to be fluid. Um, of course, like you see with the PGA Tour now, more, you know, there's a few people as they've started that have tested positive and people withdrawing here and there. So as these events start to pop up, uh, in the U.S. in anticipation of the U.S. Open, I think the USTA and players in general are going to have to be pretty flexible um, and and really take everything into consideration. I I have to say I feel for all of these players um, who have been out of work for all this time and, you know, just in this limbo we've talked about of you don't know what you're training for and when things are going to return. And now it's it's a really tough position to be in as an athlete. We talk about the, the Orlando bubble for the NBA and Major League Baseball, you know, finalizing a plan there. And as an athlete, especially as an individual athlete, when the, the, the onus is really on you to make the decision, it's a really tough one, you know, to, to really decide whether or not 
you're willing to travel to a place where the virus may be suddenly exploding. It's a really tough situation to be in. And, you know, we, we applaud the USDA for coming together with a plan here, but I'm still not 100% certain that we'll have a U.S. Open for sure just yet. Nor I. And uh, again, literally, as, as we recorded this podcast, uh, word came down that New York is considering having people coming from states with high incidence quarantine for 14 days. I don't know if that applies to athletes, but that's a potential, uh, that, that's a potential roadblock. Yeah, we're, we're a long way from uh, day one of the 2020 U.S. Open. And uh, yeah, the last few days have not been great for the sport, but um, hopefully some, some lessons will be learned there. Um, Jamie, I've got to run or uh, run on to another Zoom call anyway. Nobody's <laughs> running much of anywhere, I, I fear, these days. Um, it's been a pleasure as always. Thanks for, uh, thanks for the discussion. Next week, Donald Dell and Merging Tours. Back to some more... Uh, meat and potatoes tennis talk, which we could all use after uh, a rough week for the sport. But thanks. uh, Thanks for the time. We hope everyone uh, recovers and we hope uh, we're talking happier topics and more responsible topics going forward. Sounds good. Thanks, John. All right. That does it for this week. Thanks as always to, uh, to Jamie. Again, uh, this was not a particularly enjoyable podcast, but this was big news that we felt we ought to address. We'll be back next week with a more conventional tennis podcast. Uh, She's Jamie Lasanti. I'm John Wertheim. Thanks for listening. Continue with your guest suggestions. We got in a few uh, last week that were great. Uh, Subscribe, leave a review. It always helps. iTunes, Stitcher, wherever your podcasts are sold. And we'll do it again in seven days. Mm